you, you should have a handout in your bulletins there for this Palm Sunday. And let's, let's come before the Lord in, in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that this day represents to us. And I pray that, that on this morning that you would meet us here and, and teach us how we ought to think. Enable our hearts to be in a place where we understand how we ought to look at Palm Sunday and Easter and our thoughts towards you. May our thoughts not be faulty in the way that we think. But may we see the reality of all that occurred and and be in, in, in a place of also looking at the certainty of what will take place in the future. And I pray that it would bring great joy to us, your people, this morning and throughout the next few weeks, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the sermon this morning is Faulty Actuality and Certainty. Um, Looking at the way in which people were thinking of Palm Sunday when it actually occurred, the way they should have been looking at it, and the way that we ought to look at it this morning. Our text for this morning is, comes from Mark chapter 11, we'll begin in, in verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is a a passage that's in all four Gospels as far as giving a description of what was taking place on Palm Sunday. The people at that time had come to a place of enthusiasm in this person of Christ Jesus. Remember, Jesus had just healed a blind man, Bartimaeus. Prior to that, they, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Everybody was talking about Lazarus and what took place, and there's this 
multitude of people who are beginning to to follow Jesus, wanting to be around him, wanting to see what he's going to do next. And so crowds are emerging. Not only that, but you have what's taking place as far as Passover that is coming. And when you look at at Passover, at this particular time, Passover was an obligation of every Jew to come and to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. From the time of of King Josiah, it was no longer permitted to to celebrate Passover in their own own towns, in their own homes, but they would go into Jerusalem. And so at this time, you would have multitudes and huge multitudes of people coming into Jerusalem. Josephus from AD 64 said that that there were 2.7 million Jews coming into Jerusalem at that particular time. And so we got to figure that there's millions, without a doubt, a couple million people coming into Jerusalem at this time. And so this is the scene of, of what's occurring. We're coming into Jerusalem. Huge numbers are following Christ. But something's taking place as far as what Christ had said would occur. Prophecy that had been given and and the actuality of what was occurring was something just incredible in the person of Christ. In Luke chapter 9 and and verse 51, it tells us that, that Jesus had steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knows what's to come. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people going in at this time. They're bringing their sacrificial lambs into the city to be sacrificed. But this particular day, Palm Sunday, was one that was prophesied of years before. In Zechariah chapter 9, it tells us that a prophecy is given saying, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, and he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. This picture that's coming get given in, in Zechariah 500 years beforehand as far as he's coming lowly and riding on a donkey. It wasn't the kind of donkey that we think of today as far as the ones that are bred here in the United States that are sometimes larger. They may even look a little bit like a horse. These are tiny little donkeys that Christ would have, without a doubt, had to bend his legs to even keep them from hitting the ground. A colt, the foal of a donkey, this tiny animal, and, and here Christ comes lowly on a colt, the foal of a donkey. A plan that, that has been set in, in place and something that we knew without a doubt would occur. Not only that, but we have a prophecy that's given in, in Daniel chapter, chapter 9, where if you look there in your handout under center column. It tells us in Daniel chapter 9, 
verse 24, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. In the Hebrew, the word week that we have there, if you're using the King James or New King James, it's translated week. In some of the other versions, it's, it's translated seven. The, 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 the word literally means seven or we find here 77s. It's not given a specific time as far as an actual week that it's, it's, it's talking about. But it's a prophecy that's given of the first seven weeks or seven sevens, 49 years, and this, this, the city of Jerusalem was going to be rebuilt. It's a command that, that we're told that was to come and to build Jerusalem after Artaxerxes um, made that in, on March 14th of 445 B.C., according to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. Palm Sunday would have occurred what we believe to be April 6th of 32 A.D. So seven weeks and 62 weeks equals, equals 69 weeks, and the 70th week is coming in the time of the tribulation. So the 69 weeks or 69 seven-year periods would be 483 years. And you go through, and, and if you study through the actual years and the time frames and the leap years and all that we know as far as our calendars are concerned from the time of, of Artaxerxes on March 14th of 445 BC. You could go through as, as scholars have done and looked at all the details and see that from the time that command came to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Palm Sunday... It was exactly 173,880 days, or 69 seven-year periods, exactly, to the day, perfectly. A prophecy that had been given of this will occur, and to the day, to the actual day, it occurred. A point that, that God made so that we would know this is what is going to occur. This is what is going to happen. It's going to come. It's going to come on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is going to occur, and Christ is going to come, and this is how it's going to happen. Coming into Jerusalem, the final week prior to him going to the cross. And you think about it, the people didn't get it. Here the most important event is about to occur as far as Christ coming to Jerusalem in the final week, being betrayed, going to the cross, and dying for you and I, for all those who are believers who have gone before us and all those that will come after us making a way for us to spend eternity with him in heaven. Paying a price for our sins that we could never, ever 
pay on our own. The Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And there's so many people who didn't get it at all. They were hoping that Jesus would come and overthrow the Roman government. That was their biggest concern. They thought Jesus would come with wealth and majesty. But God said, no, he'll come on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Even the disciples are there and they're thinking of Christ and his kingdom and all that's going to take place. And them living with him and being with him, they're saying, who's going to be the greatest? Where do I get to sit? I want to reign with him. Be at his right hand. They want more signs. They want him to do more tricks. And so the people are there. Palm branches in their hands. Crying out, Hosanna. Meaning, save now. Save us now. Hosanna. All together, laying down clothes on the street and palm branches that are there. And yet they were missing it. The palm branches were very significant to the people in Israel. There was obviously terrible things in which the people of Israel had gone through for years and years. And there came a time where Judas Maccabeus, who became a hero in that nation for what he had done, he wreaked havoc upon the Seleucids to such a degree that in 164 BC, they were able to practice their own faith, the Jews could. Um, the people celebrated so much that, that um, with these festivals that they instituted these feasts called the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Lights, which we now know to be Hanukkah. Later, his brother, Simon Maccabeus, drove the sluices out of Jerusalem altogether. And at that time, they celebrated the victory with music, singing, waving palm branches. And that began that time of this symbol of military victory, triumph that was occurring. Even when the Jews revolted against the Romans in, in the time frame around 60 A.D., they decided to, to mint their own coins. And on the coin is the image of the palm branch because it was a picture of just victory that was there for the people. And so they have palm branches there and they're waving these palm branches, but they're waving the palm branches with the idea of victory, military victory, national victory, national pride. Hosanna, save us. Wanting more than anything to be saved from their oppression under the Romans and to be in a place where their current circumstances would be far better. And there's people today who think of Christ and their biggest concern is, what can he do for me now? 
Can he help my personal life? Can he help my financial situation? Can he help my health? But what, what tricks can he do for me today? A brokenness that's much like the people there in the time of Israel and the time of Christ, where their biggest concern wasn't who he is and what he's done and what he could do for their souls. They're, they're singing songs unto him. Hosanna, save now, save us now. That particular song came from Psalm 118. It's one that they would have been reading, um, singing. It's a psalm that, that, those Hillel psalms that would be sung every morning during the Feast of Tabernacles. Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. But their focus at this particular time is on Psalm 118 as they're directly quoting from it as they sing songs. And it's a psalm that, that is uh, quoted most of, of almost any other passage in, in Scripture. But they didn't get it. Here the, these people are waving their palm branches, singing somewhat praises to God, but missing what was actually taking place. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 118, or you can look on your handout on the back. It's there as well. Think of the people who are here in Israel, and they're reading or singing this psalm every, every morning at this particular time. It's so fixed upon their brain that when they're waving their palm branches and laying their clothes down and laying their palm branches on the ground. And here comes Christ on a colt, the foal of the donkey, right into Jerusalem. This is what is being sung. But they're missing it. It's a faulty understanding of what's taking place. And my encouragement to you this morning is, are you missing it or do you get it? Let's look at what was being, being sung. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. <laughs> Just stop there for a second. The psalm begins with this and it ends with this verse. But what's taking place as Jesus is riding there into Jerusalem? Palm branches being waved, setting his face like flint, determined, steadfast to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross. We serve a God who we should be incredibly thankful to. Not approaching Palm Sunday as, okay, this is the week right before Easter and we think about his triumphal entry. But stopping for a moment to say, I'm so thankful because in reality, what we're looking at in all of this is he is good he is good, and his mercy endures forever. His mercy towards you, his mercy towards me, his mercy towards those who are there and they're, they have their palm branches, they're singing their songs, and he doesn't stop and say, that's it, you guys don't get it. I even gave you the day that I would come. You missed it. 
You same people are the ones that are going to be saying, give us Barabbas in just a few days. You same people are the ones that are going to be saying, crucify him in a few days. Even my disciples are saying, who's going to be the greatest? They're missing it. And I thank the Lord that what was written in Psalm 118 and what we're looking at and what was taking place on Palm Sunday is we serve a God who is good. And his mercy endures forever. I pray that, that, that what just triggers in our minds on this morning is thankfulness. <laughs> Complete thankfulness and praise for who he is and what he's done. They say it again. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. Emphasize over and over and over again that we serve a God whose mercy does not stop. It goes on forever. We're here 2,000 years later saying his mercy endures forever. Psalm goes on to say, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put my confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put my confidence in princes. All nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me. Yes, they surround me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You push me violently that I might fall, but the Lord help me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Is that verse familiar to you? He's my strength. He's my song. He's the one who gives me strength, and he's the one that I sing praises unto. And he has become my salvation. He saves me. This is what they are singing. This is what they're all about during this particular time of the year as they think of Passover to come. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I'll stop it there for a moment. It, it, it makes you go to a place. Is this what Christ was talking about when he talked about I am, that gate? The narrow gate? The one in which... Few find, few go there. Gates of righteousness. And I'll go through them. 
I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. A passage that that is referred to over and over in Scripture. Peter identifies the chief cornerstone of the New Testament of Christ in Acts 4.11, 1 Peter 2.7. Picture of Christ rejected by those. But he is the chief cornerstone. The one in whom our salvation is built on. The one in whom we alone can depend upon. So they're singing this song. I'll praise you. I'll praise you for you answered me. You've become my salvation. In their minds they're thinking, you're going to free us from the Romans. And in reality what's taking place is, he's opening unto us gates of righteousness that we might enter in. And he is going to make it so that we can spend eternity with him with forgiveness of sins. So much bigger than changing their current political circumstances. So much bigger than changing their financial circumstances, their health circumstances, anything such as that. I don't know everybody's circumstances here. You may be here today and you're the only one that knows how rough things are. To be in a place of waving palm branches saying, he has become my righteousness. He has become my salvation. They, they could take everything from me. I could lose it all. But he saved me. He's made me a part of his kingdom. I get to spend eternity with him. I'll praise you. You've answered me. You've become my salvation. Christ, the stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. The triggers within our minds as believers, the Lord's doing is our salvation. The Lord's doing was he entered into Jerusalem. He went to be crucified. He rose again on the third day. He finished the work that he was called to do so that he might bring us unto him. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And then we find the portion that was quoted there in Mark Save now, I pray, O Lord. Or literally, Hosanna. Hosanna, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send me, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. They sang that song. They said those words, but in their mind was just, free us from our bondage under the Romans. 
We sing that song. We say those words, and it's, Hosanna, save us now from our sins. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. He became a man born there in a stable and laid in a manger. Fulfilled all righteousness. Did it all. Paid the price for our sins. He's given us light. The sacrifice was Christ himself. We say, you are my God and I will praise you. You're my God and I will exalt you. You're my God. I am now your people, your child. Because of the work of Christ upon the cross. And then the psalm finishes, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his mercy endures forever. On this side of the cross, by the grace of God and through the work of his Holy Spirit in our lives, we read Psalm 118, and we see it radically different than the way in which they sung it. We see what he's done for us. We see what he's accomplished for us. We read this event of what's taking place. The details of go to the village opposite you and you're going to see a colt tied there and no one sat on it. It's a position of prestige as far as the purity of this animal. Loose it, bring it to me. There is a plan. You're going to find this. Do this and then do this and then they're going to say this and then you say that and then bring this animal to me. And I prophesied that this would happen 500 years ago. And I prophesied that this day would occur hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago to the very day. And we see it here. Palm branches lifted, clothes spread on the road. They missed it, but we look at it as the triumphal entry of a God whose mercy endures forever. Forever. In spite of the people, in spite of the way they treated him, in spite of them saying, give us Barabbas, in spite of them saying, crucify him, his mercy endures forever. And as a result, you and I are here today as believers, as a result of our king, the one who comes on a colt, the foal of a donkey, donkey, lowly, humility, He accomplished it just as he said he would to the very day that he said it would be accomplished. We also have more certainty of what's going to occur in the future. Look at Revelation 7, 9. We're now into a place of heaven. Having recorded for us what's taking place there. After these things, John says, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes.
His mercy endures forever. Think of the vastness of this world in which we live. And there are believers from China, from Vietnam, from Thailand, from Laos, from Indonesia, Korea, North Korea. All these Korean Christians putting tracks and Bibles into balloons and sending them over into North Korea. There is a church in North Korea. Precious. Russia. Eastern Europe. Europe. All over the New World. United States. Canada. All through Central America. Down into South America. Deepest parts of Africa. We have brothers and sisters under trees on a morning like this, studying Palm Sunday. Some with no clothes or virtually no clothes. Some with little food. Some never seen white people before. I'll tell you, there are believers that are there praising the Lord. All throughout the Middle East. All over the world, there are believers. When this was written, do you think anybody thought that that would be possible? It is. The gospel is going forth, it continues to go forth. It's a great multitude which no one can number. All nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Those words have an impact on us. Those of us who should be separated from Him for all eternity, black as darkness, experience the wrath of God for all eternity, standing before the throne. Standing before the Lamb. The Lamb that was walking into Jerusalem there on a colt full of a donkey to be sacrificed. Clothed in white robes, purity. Sins removed. Every sin you've ever committed removed. Clean. Clothed with robes of righteousness, the very righteousness of Christ. And what do we have in our hands? Palm branches in their hands. There's just a difference as far as the way in which we think at that particular time. See, there's victory that has occurred, but the victory is the victory is our Lord. He's conquered sin and death. He's made for himself a people. He's finished the work of bringing salvation to each and every one of us. And so we have palm branches in our hands. As Pastor Andy said, they had to import those to upstate New York. We have them in our parking lot. But this symbol that's there of what took place there 2,000 years ago as far as waving of the palm branches, victory that's occurring, will be there. White robes, palm branches in our hands. Crying with a loud voice, saying, 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Are you thankful for that? I am. I mean, as as sure as Christ came on the day that he said he was going to come in the triumphal entry, as sure as he died in the way that he said that he would die hundreds of years before he ever died, the same way that he rose again just as he said he would rise again from the dead, and as sure as he has built for himself a church, as he has done over the last 2,000 years, you will have robes that are white, palm branches in your hands, and you will be saying with me, salvation belongs to our God. He saved us. Who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's all him. Them saying, Hosanna, save now. He did. Because his mercy endures forever. Philippians 2.9 tells us, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a remnant. It will be us, knees bowed, Tongues confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He did it all. Lastly, I'll close with Revelation 5, verse 8, if you'll turn there with me. There's a certainty of this, what is going to occur. Revelation 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sang a new song saying this, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. You redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. That coronation, that triumphal entry, the way in which the people thought, brothers and sisters, we see this occurring here, but it's reality. It's what we have to look forward to the reigning of Christ for all eternity. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Why did I place it at the end of our study this morning? I look forward to it. 
Brothers and sisters, I just look forward to this. Those same people that were saying, Hosanna, save now, also said, crucify him. Those same people who missed it, they missed what was taking place. Disciples included. Because as as a result of his mercy enduring forever, he saved some of them. Picture Christ there on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And of those that he prayed for, some were forgiven. You and I are here 2,000 years later. Worshiping the Lord our God when he had no obligation to do that. To think that there are any that would be named who would be able to come before his throne with white robes. To think that there's any that would be named that would be able to sing praises unto him and be there before the throne would be the result of his mercy enduring forever. But for there to be ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands sinners washed by the precious blood of the Lamb, saying things like, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands of people who hated him and were running in the opposite direction away from him that will be before his throne with white robes singing songs like that is a result that his mercy endures forever. But let's take it one step further to think that of those ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands of sinners forgiven, washed clean before the throne, singing praises to him, giving glory to him, thankful that he was slain, thankful that he paid the price for us, to think that of those ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands, that we, that you, will be among them? His, dirt, his mercy endures forever. He is good. He is good. And we ought to be thankful this morning. We're celebrating Palm Sunday this morning. People at the time didn't get it. We get it. It means everything to us. Spend eternity with him. Palm branches in our hands. Singing praises unto him. Joy in our hearts. Because salvation belongs to our God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful. We're so thankful to you. Oh, to be amongst those of the ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, singing praises unto you in one accord, the lamb that was slain for us. To think that we will be numbered among them. What a God we serve. Coming on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Mercy towards those who didn't get it at all. Kindness in revealing these things to us. Recording these things in the pages of Scripture. 
grace that gives us promises that are to come so that we can look with hopeful anticipation of the day when palm branches will be in our hands and we will be proclaiming your kingdom, your glory. Because we serve a God who saves. May the saints here leave here. Praises upon our lips, thankful for the God that we serve. And I pray for anybody that's here that says, I don't know that I would be among the ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands. May today be the day that they hope and put their faith in Christ, in you, Lord, and what you accomplish for them on the cross. May every bit of their hope for this salvation be that we serve a God who saves. Salvation belongs to him. He finished the work upon the cross that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. May today be the day of salvation for them. I pray that every person in this sanctuary would be named amongst the ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands. We look forward today to the day of palm branches in our hands, white robes, giving all the glory to you. And until that day comes, may your people stand in one accord and sing praises to our Savior now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.